0: Welcome to The Climb, the podcast where we conquer our inner mountains. I'm Natasha Wallstra, your host and guide on this transformative journey. This show is brought to you by the Inner Mountain Foundation, inspired by the work of Diane Wong, empowering women everywhere to stand up, speak out, and make a difference. every episode we explore a theme related to personal growth and empowerment, drawing on the experiences and insights of extraordinary women. This isn't just a listening experience, it's a call to action, an invitation to grow, and a journey of discovery. So are you ready to embark on today's climb? Let's begin. I am so, so excited to have my guest on today, Kristen Spencer. We connected probably about a year and a half ago now, and she has been along the ride with my crazy journey I've had uh, in some work transitions and life transitions as well. And so I am really excited today to learn more about her journey and her story and uh, really just learn more about Kristen. So, uh, welcome, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me, Natasha. I've been like so pumped about this for a week. And
1: yeah, we've definitely been like friends and cohorts and conspirators (laughs) along these different career journeys that we're on. And it's been so fun. And, you know, there have been some not so fun moments, but I love that we're like, let's just be ourselves. Let's go through this together.
0: Yeah, seriously. I mean, it's one of those things having the support of another strong female in our life is really important. And I, I think our first call was, I don't even remember why we ended up connecting, but after that, I was like, wow, she just helped me so much through something I didn't know I was struggling with. <laughs> and so from there, we just kind of had uh, standing meetings and it's been just wonderful being in your life. Um, and so thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, so Really, I guess I'd love to hear more, you know, tell me your backstory, Kristen. Who are you? Who is Kristen Spencer? Who am I? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so I have not had
1: a typical career journey. Like nothing that I've done has been linear. Uh, I actually started out thinking that, like, I'm going to be a business person. And then I was taking all these economics classes, and one of my professors figured out that I had dyscalculia. <laughs> which is a math learning disability that had been sort of like stalking me my whole life. And I didn't realize like at one point two of my male teachers had me like come in and they're like, you're really lazy when it comes to math. Like you should just fix this about yourself and like be determined. I'm like, I have A's and everything else. Like, what about me makes you think I'm lazy? But of course, as like a 15-year-old girl yeah. with these two men, I have no like point of reference for responding to them. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm lazy. I don't know. And then uh one of my professors noticed it and he's like, listen, he's like, you could do it. You could become an economist, but it's gonna be so much harder than you originally thought. Isn't there like anything else that you might want to get into? <laughs> And I was like, well, you know, like, I've always loved writing, like I had entered and won a couple of poetry contests. Uh, when I was 13, I thought I could write a book and I wrote part of it. And so I was like, I'll, I'll try comparative world literature. I didn't even know that was a thing until I met someone else in my ancient Greek class who was like, this is my whole major. I was like, what? You can do a whole major in like different cultures and their literature. Wow. So I did that my first job out of college was working for the Institute of Reading Development. And I got to help kids with reading disabilities. It was amazing. And then I got pregnant and I was so sick. I I had gotten married right before I took this job. And even though it paid like three times what my husband's job paid, I quit my job and he got two more jobs because we didn't even think like we're just like gender roles. I stay home. And now looking back, we're like, that was not that didn't make any sense. Why did we do that? Mm -hmm. But, you know, we were young. We didn't know we were just doing what our parents did. And then there was this whole weird journey where I was like a labor doula and trying to heal from a traumatic birth. And, uh, my husband and I became humanitarian workers in Europe and we lived in Athens, Greece, and we worked with people first who had been, um, really had some hard times because of the economic crisis, which then we got into helping people who had been rescued out of human trafficking. And then the refugee crisis happened. So like this is all going on. We had uh, two more kids in the mix somewhere in there. So now we're up to three kids. And about five years ago, um, we were not getting our visas renewed and we knew we were going to have to leave. And then My father-in-law unexpectedly died in a skiing accident and we had to move back to the US like within three days because my Uh husband was the only one who could like sign his father's body out of the hospital, which I didn't even know that was a thing because we had never gone through that. So we're like, you know, it's like (laughs) when you see movies where someone like, finds out that their relative is killed and then they like collapse and you're like I wonder if that's what I would act like and now I know yes like that's (laughs) what happened (laughs) like I I like lost my balance I was like crying uncontrollably like this man was such a huge part of our lives and my life individually like he would call me and be like I just want you to know you're such a good mom like thank you for taking care of my grandkids it was like
0: you know that kind of little things yeah yeah
1: so (laughs) in the meantime like I'm like, okay, now what am I going to do? Like, I can't just hop into humanitarian work here. My husband got a job painting houses. And I was like, we need money. But also my kids are all traumatized from having to leave their only home that they've remembered in like four days. And then their grandfather dying. And so I kept trying to find a job and everyone wanted me to like work until 7 p.m. and never see my kids. And I was like, this isn't going to work. Like, I can't do this. And I also am like... I can't get paid $10 an hour. It's not like I've been out of the workforce. And by the way, even if I had been out of the workforce because I was raising my kids, I was building soft skills that whole time. So no, I'm not taking $10 an hour. <laughs> so that is when I was like, you know what? I'll just start my own business. Like, <laughs> looking back, <laughs> i like... Okay, yeah, it's so easy, right? And now I know, like, it's not that simple to start your own business. But I was, I had my literature degree. I was like, let me go back to school. I will become a certified copy editor and I will be a developmental editor, a copy editor. And I had on the side, I had written 15 books at that point. So on the side, (laughs) like, (laughs) <laughs> like I, I just was like, I want to write books. I don't know, like I sort of got peer pressured into it. <laughs> so my husband was like, you should write a blog about traveling with little tiny kids because at that point there wasn't really anything. Like I was like, how do I take a newborn's passport photo to be able to travel to these different countries? And he's like, you should start a blog, and that was actually a lucrative thing for me. I don't recommend blogging for money at this point; it's very difficult. Um, but I, I figured out, oh my gosh, I can write every day. Mm -hmm. so like the next step was my friends were like, write a book about confidence. I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, you used to be the most like a self deprecating person in the world. And now you're super confident. Like write about that. I was like, what? (laughs) But I listened until I wrote, you aren't worthless. Unlock the truth of godly confidence, which I did not know was like a success. I sold thirty thousand copies in six months. I didn't know, like I was just like, that's amazing. I was so ignorant
0: as to how well the book was doing. By the way, side note: most books don't sell even like two (laughs) hundred, let alone a thousand, let alone thirty thousand, Kristen.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so but I was just completely ignorant as to what was happening. And I had no context because I was separate from everybody living in Greece. So like, Mm. I had friends in the US who were making $10,000 a month selling books. So compared to them, I was like, I'm a loser. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so, but I, I learned how to do everything myself other than editing, right? You can't mm. edit your own books just for anyone who's out there thinking you can edit your own book. You cannot, it is literally impossible because <laughs> of the way your brain works. Um, <laughs> but so I came back and I was like, I'll just help people. Like I know how to format books. I know how to make uh, book covers, like all these weird, random disjointed skills came together in this beautiful thing. But at some point I realized even as a certified copy editor, even as a developmental editor, I cannot get people to pay me any money. (laughs) And I realized I needed to figure out a way to connect what I love doing with what other people would consider a high value skill. And ironically, that is now what I do for my clients. And I write their high value skills into books as a ghostwriter. And I also... (laughs) I was like, you know, I'm one of those people who's really intense. I'm like, I don't know how to write copy and I want to know. So I went through two whole big programs for high, you know, high converting copywriting. And now I can do that. And I left the uh, book services uh, fiction world behind me. And now I work exclusively with business owners, either working with them on their offers, which I help them refine their high-value offers, their high-ticket offers. And then we write a book toward that. Or I build out the foundation of their messaging so that everything's consistent. And I'm actually going through a really rough transition right now where I was doing one-offs for years. And now I'm only doing packages. And that's a totally different audience. So. Every day I feel like there's a mix of I don't know what I'm doing at all and I'm really good at my job. (laughs) It's just living in my head at the same time. So that is my um, really random story of how I went (laughs) from being a teacher for people with reading difficulties to a labor doula who specialized in home births, to a humanitarian worker, to a editor and book services provider. And now I'm a copywriter and offer creation specialist and I go (laughs) straight.
0: On top of writing 15 books and a mom of three and a wife. I mean, mean, how do you do all that you do? Oh my goodness. (laughs) And you show up every day on LinkedIn and social channels. This is incredible. Like
1: I get up at four because my husband's a truck driver now. That was one of the things in my story is like we were having a really hard time. He wasn't making money really as a painter. So I was able to like kind of take over all the financial obligations with my business while he went back to school to become a truck driver. Wow. So he wakes up at three. I wake up at four. That's the, that's like,
0: it's not magic. It's just, that's when I start. It's a lot of work. Wow. So there's so much to dive into all that actually. <laughs> but um, when you just said that, you, the moment that you decided, okay, I'm going to start my own business, like what happened? Do you remember the day? Like what was that sort of pivotal message, something, whatever that happened that we're like, I'm doing this? Yeah. So I'm actually coming up on my five year
1: anniversary wow. this January. I think it was January 18th. I like know the exact date because like I went on LinkedIn and I put it in that like, this is my business. (laughs) Um, But I was, I wanted to be around for my kids when they were home from school. That was my whole motivation. I was like, I need to set my hours around them. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. That was my, like, I was like, we need money, but I need to be around. No one's going to give me that option. I'll make it for myself.
0: Wow. What do you mind me asking sort of what were the first steps you took to like, was it a mindset shift? Was it actionable every day? You were like, I'm going to start doing steps towards getting to it. Were you still working at your other jobs? Like what were you doing?
1: (laughs) I was like doing like, I just went straight into that. And, um, I did like everything you could possibly try to do. I did like, uh, Russell Brunson's like one funnel away challenge. I started podcasting every day and I did it for 90 days in a row um, I wrote a I wrote several books about how to write fiction books which are still helping people write fiction uh, it's my favorite thing when I read a review that says this book helped me finish the book I've been dreaming of for writing. Of of writing for twenty years, like that's the best. <laughs> uh, even though I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to make money doing that. Right, uh, so it, it was just a process of like, let me try lots of things, and then I started learning about sales psychology, and I was like, oh, no wonder nothing that I <laughs> have done is selling, <laughs> even though I'm doing all the things they said. I don't understand what's happening behind the scenes, mm. and so my father in law. He then, this is something I still do. He would always say, Make your worst thing your best thing. And he was a pilot, so he had to understand. And he taught other pilots, he had to understand like all the different pieces of their plane and how they worked. And if he was having a hard time with something, and I can't even explain the different things he might have a hard time with because they were so technical. I would never understand what he was talking about. Um, But he would go like geek out on it for a year. And so that's what I did with sales psychology and copywriting, because I know how to tell stories. I was like, if I know how to tell stories, I can probably figure this out. And of course now everybody associates me with a uh, story brand and I'm like no I'm not a story brand person if you if story brand yeah. has worked for you great but stories are not enough and I learned that the hard way so I geeked out on sales psychology and copywriting for about a year and a half. I hired a really high level mentor who charged me a lot of money, but taught me a lot of things. And, <laughs> and so now I'm an expert in that because that was my worst thing. And my new worst thing that I'm trying to make my best thing is cold outreach because I just hate it as an introvert. It makes me so uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> I absolutely love that. Make your worst thing your best thing. That is such a good mindset philosophy to like have in the back of your mind while you're trying to overcome things that are challenging to do, <laughs> like cold outreach. That used to be mine. That's actually um, how my sin the no shame uh, LinkedIn strategy, came about because I had to do cold outreach and I'm an introvert, yeah. and it absolutely you know was soul crushing to do the smile and dial 100 calls a day. <laughs> so right? I had to I find know. a way to get through that myself. So I, I totally understand that when. You know, going back to your time as a student, though, and you had a teacher telling you, you know, that you're lazy or that you know, when math wasn't your top skill by any means, and obviously you, you can probably do certain things with it now and, or get by with it and, or hire the right people to do that, right? But um, how did you get past that limiting belief that he kind of put in your mind about um, being lazy or not understanding math? I think one of the biggest things that
1: happened and changed me in like every single way was understanding that I could be more self-aware. Like I know myself better than anyone else knows me. And that was why (laughs) I could think I'm going to make my own business, right? Like I didn't know what difficulties I would run into, but I knew that I can learn stuff. And if I can't learn stuff, I'll find help. And so that was sort of my approach back then is I found my friends who were really good at explaining things to me and they would wait until the teacher was done teaching. And then they would lay out the math for me in a way that I could understand. And I was able to, you know, get B's in all of my classes, (laughs) like desperately trying to get these bees because I knew that I didn't understand I knew that I probably could understand if I found the right explanation. And then I had these friends who were willing to like sit with me and it it didn't just happen in math. It was like chemistry, physics, anything with math, I would find a buddy and they would like see that I really wanted to understand and they would help me.
0: That just goes to show too, like when you ask for help, you typically will get it, right? I mean, it's one of those things I, I feel like I used to always be so scared, um, do ask for help, but once, you know, it's not even admitting it, it's just, you know, being open to it. And then people are pretty responsive about it. And that's also when it comes to friends, mentorship, you know, those are all things that we really much need to kind of get over that fear of, I don't know, but I can find out, right? Right. And if I can't do it, like now there's lots of things I can't do. I just
1: tried to learn video AI today. I'm not, it's not working. Like it's not clicking. So uh, (laughs) I was talking to my assistant. She's great at it. And so she's (laughs) like, just, just send it to me. I'm like, okay, thank you so much. Because I really tried. I wanted to understand so I could know what she's doing for me. But at the end of the day now, I just realized like, I don't need to do everything. And that Mm -hmm. was something that was really hard for me to accept actually. (laughs) delegating (laughs) yeah like just being like i can't do everything by myself it Mm. it, like it would just like wound me to the soul because i'm such a self-starter and i want to be able to do everything well like i'm a recovering perfectionist and i will be (laughs) until i die uh so asking for help was like okay but then not being able to execute myself that was a whole nother level of Let me be even more self-aware and admit where I'm not going to do something. I'm just going to have someone else do it for me.
0: Yeah. That's one of those things I always like to talk about too, of um, like the highest and best use of your time, right? You probably could do a lot of these things, but it will take you much, much longer, or you could try and learn it, but is it really the best use of your time, right?
1: (laughs) Right. And that was one of the things that like I sat down. So my husband is like my biggest cheerleader and advisor. And like, we would sit down and one of my business coaches actually told me like, you need to be talking to your husband about this stuff more. And I'll be like, okay, like, here's what I did today. And he'll be like, okay, but how much of your day was spent writing? Because for me, that's my happy place. That's my high value skill, right? Like I charge I charge upwards of a dollar per word. Mm. That's a- <laughs> Literally, <I> mean, yeah.
0: <laughs> No, you have value on that, literally.
1: <laughs> right? Like that is where I make my money and that's how I pay my contractors. <laughs> so he's like, well, it looks to me like you- barely wrote anything today. I'm like, okay, yeah. So one of the things that we did was sit down, look at my schedule, be honest and say, what can we source out? Uh, And
0: and so that I can buy back some of that writing time. That is so awesome to have that type of partnership. And I'm sure like, many would love to have that or are doing that, but really leaning on your partner at home to you know talk through stuff, even if they're in a different industry. Right. I mean, they still provide that external objectivity like you do with your clients. They can give you that objectivity of like, what is it you should be <laughs> focusing on what you aren't focusing on. Right. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's been great. And I know that it's not like that for a lot of couples. I can't tell you how many business friends I have who are divorced, solely because their spouse didn't understand what they were trying to do. Oh wow. And so or didn't my want husband, to understand. Right. Like he he knows way too much about business because of me, because he <laughs> has learned to, to be able to support me. Right. Like he's still hopping in his truck and delivering stuff every day, but he understands what a sales page is. He knows what a VSL means. like he knows all these things just so he can support me. And I know that I am very blessed and uh, I don't take that for granted. Yeah, no, that
0: sounds amazing. So given that it's your almost five-year anniversary, what advice, if you could time travel back to five years ago, what advice would you give uh, Kristen of five years ago?
1: <laughs> I would say like every time y- something falls apart that you were hoping wouldn't fall apart, it's okay. You're mm-hmm. learning you really are learning skills and it, it it hurts and it sucks. Honestly, it's just awful. It feels awful when you're like, I've been building this program for a year and then you launch it and it's crickets, even though, you know, and you've tested it, that it can help people beyond what they, they could possibly imagine. Uh, but it's <laughs> so I would just tell her like this is going to hurt, but it's going (laughs) to be a good hurt eventually. Like the things you're learning now are going to help you be able to say, all right, we're ready to go to that next level. We're ready to fail some more and we're ready to learn what we need in order to, you know, up our impact and our influence.
0: Yeah, that's really great. And I guess out of curiosity and then, you know, when you're in the hurt, are there things you could be doing on the self-care side to help Um, overcome that the day-to-day side of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, definitely. Like this
1: morning, uh, I was doing some of my positive intelligence exercises. If you haven't been through positive intelligence, um, it's definitely worth your time and money. I would say that it has... I mean, I don't want to say it cured my anxiety because that oversimplifies it. But I was a, a very anxious person. Actually, Natasha, you met me like right when I had like my professional like breaking point, <laughs> I think <laughs> is when we met. And then I was like spiraling out of control a little bit um, because with the added responsibility of like new clients, new types of jobs, everything, my anxiety was off the charts. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm like, okay, I need to keep my positive intelligence high. And that means I have to do my exercises or I'm in big trouble. And so I know that about myself. I also know that like, I need time to process. I'm a thinker, like in my room, which is my sacred place. I don't do work there. I have a thinking chair and I just sit in it and I think, I love it. <laughs> and I go for walks every day. And when I'm mm. on my walks, whether it's snowing or raining, whatever, I'm like a male person with no mail. I'm i thinking, <laughs> I'm processing, right? Sometimes I put on instrumental music so that I can just think. And I, I work with instrumental music because if there are lyrics, it messes up my writing. So, and, and I've tested all these things. Like, I don't just say, I think this works. I want to know, does it work? So I mm. tested writing in silence, writing with lyrics, writing with music without lyrics. I write the fastest if I'm listening to music without lyrics.
0: Wow. Yeah. Those are some really, um, really good advice. I've, I try listening to things and then I get distracted or I even podcasts. I can't, not that I would be doing work while listening to podcasts, but I can't even like walk and listen to podcasts anymore because I have no idea what I'm listening to. I'm paying attention to everything else and it's like okay, focus. <laughs> like either think or right. listen, but don't do both.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like I like a I've been trying out a new trick which Alex Hormozi talks about in his new book 100 million dollar leads where you listen to the audiobook while you're staring at the text. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, this mm. is amazing." <laughs> so just you know like I I am happy to be wrong. I, I like saying that because if I'm wrong, it means I can still adjust. It means I can still learn. It means I can change the way that I'm doing things to be more efficient. If I'm trying to be right all of the time, I'm never going to learn how to be my, the best version of myself in whatever space I'm in. Gosh, talk about
0: being self aware, right? You have to really be on that journey to understand what you just said or to be able to appreciate that too. Cause it's tough. It's hard to admit that and also recognize where, you know, you still need to grow and still need to learn and, and, um, and recognize when like you're not there yet, right? <laughs> Right. Yeah. But also to have grace for yourself in that Mm. you're on a
1: journey. You're not like, I'm going up to this goal. And if I don't meet it, then my life is over. Like, that's the one thing that I've had to learn too, is to be patient with myself, to understand that I am an imperfect and complicated being. And that means I'm going to mess up. And it also means I don't have all the answers. So when things are slower than I like, because, uh, you know, people who know me really well they know i have a schedule for everything. If things are not going as quickly as i like, i need to sit down and be like that's okay. Like let's adjust. Let's not beat ourselves up over it.
0: I love that. That is that is really um helpful to me as well cuz i feel like at times i am over or trying to do so much and and um beat myself up for not hitting certain targets or or hitting the number of people I wanted to outreach to and that sort of thing but at the end of the day we also have to be compassionate towards ourselves and and you know we're we're imperfect beings i love that <laughs> yeah i mean life is
1: complicated enough and like you said i am not just a business owner i also have my family i also have you know my friends and my church and all these different things and It can be very tricky to try to balance all of it. Like right now, I don't know what's going on with my kids, but they were both calling me on my phone, even though I'm on a podcast, like they know, don't call me (laughs) like, don't just like, why I'm free at four, you know, I'm free at four, just get on the bus. (laughs) So after this, I'm going to have to figure out what's going on for both of them to call me separately. Amazing. And (laughs) that's just how my life works. (laughs)
0: Oh my gosh, busy day. Well, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I have a couple more questions if you don't mind. Um, Yeah, no, go for it. So going back to this book, um, I'm forgetting what the title was, but it was something on the um, You Are Not Worthless, a confidence book. You had your friends friends ask you to... um, Right. And I think that's so impressive. Amazing. A lot of times you want to it's really cool to tell the story of how you got to where you got to because other people want to know how you did it, right? And so they recognize that for you somehow. And so I'd love, you know, what are your top pieces of advice on how to be more confident as I'm sure many of our listeners and myself included could learn from that?
1: Yeah. So the first thing that I would say is to understand that your uniqueness is your superpower. A lot of times we're growing up and we're like, especially as a woman, right? Because in the business space, Our uniqueness is pointed at constantly, whether for good or for bad. And people are like, well, you should be doing it this way. You should be doing it that way. Uh, You know, we're trying not to shit all over each other anymore. (laughs) Like, I feel like we're more aware of it. Yeah. But I I, and I'm reading 10x is easier than 2x, uh, Mm. which is amazing. Dan Sullivan is one of the authors on that. I can't remember. I'm so sorry. Other author. I know you're not as famous as Dan Sullivan, but you clearly wrote most of the book. I should remember your name. Um, But the whole point of the book is that in your unique ability, that is where you can 10X your business. Mm. And so I've been able just to relate all these things together. But like, I am a plus size woman, right? That's one of the things I've always wanted to change about myself. When I go to the doctor and he like looks at my BMI and he asks me all the questions, he's always like, I don't understand why you're so overweight. That's what he says to me. Oh my gosh. And I'm like... It's my genes. I'm like, the only way for me to be anything lower than a size 16 is for me to starve myself. And I know because I've done it. Like I had disordered eating for 15 years. And so that's what I was coming out of when my friends were like, please write a book. Please write a book about this. We noticed you don't have an eating disorder anymore what happened. And um, I was at the park with my kids one day. I was pregnant with kid number three. Uh, so I had two girls and then I was pregnant with a boy. And I was looking at my girls and I was thinking, how can I not pass my eating order, my eating disorder to them? Like, how can I get out of this so that I am modeling what it looks like to actually appreciate my body, to be thankful for my body, because it's done so many amazing things for me. And I got this picture in my head, which I personally think God gave me the picture. And it was every flower in the entire world had turned into a a Gerber daisy, which is my favorite. I love (laughs) Gerber daisies. But when every single flower was a Gerber daisy, they were boring and lame. (laughs) Yeah. And I was, and I just felt like, okay, like there's different kinds of flowers. And actually I got letters from men who wrote in after reading my book and they're like, can you please use a less gender specific example? <laughs> so now I use stars <laughs> okay, <laughs> because every single star is different. And there's like all these different ways that they can be unique, their color, their size, what they're made out of, uh, the way they reflect light, uh, reflect light. and If you look up in the sky at night, you're not like, these are lame, right? You're like, these are gorgeous. These are amazing. The universe is blowing my mind every second of every day. But if everything was the same, it wouldn't work that way. You would look at it and you'd be like, oh, like it's it, it was just such a moment of transformation for me where I was like, okay, I don't fall into societal expectations of what a woman should look like now what and that question gave me the ability to show up as my actual self so now i wear giant glasses people call me the glasses lady like I'm in this interview right now i'm wearing my biggest glasses cuz i knew i was coming on for natasha <laughs> i love and these ones I, <laughs> I have like pink hair right now i'm wearing a rainbow tie houndstooth shirt and barbie pink shorts and i have just learned like i love color I'm introverted, but I like standing out, which makes sense because I was a punk rocker growing up and I was like dying to dye my hair and my parents would let me. I was like, oh, this is so dumb. <laughs> so I let my kids dye their hair. Uh, but I just was like, how do I feel most like myself? If I'm already not going to conform to those standards, let me lean the other way and feel like every piece of clothing I put on matches my, how I feel inside. and makes me feel awesome. And, and I went through my closet and I threw away so many things and I stopped buying things that were on sale just because they were on sale. And I decided, you know, like to work from the inside out. And that's how I was able to just
0: learn to embrace who I am and understand that that's, that's my superpower. Gosh, I can't tell you how many times I just got goosebumps listening to you tell this story. <laughs> that is amazing. So your your uniqueness is your superpower. I am going to like frame that up on my yeah. wall here. Um, thank you so much for sharing that story um, and the background to it because that is so powerful and so many of us need to hear that as well. I mean, we have we're told to be and act a certain way, you know, and I think that's something that is unfortunately in our heads all the time. So even though things have changed, sometimes I feel like we've made a few steps forward and, and even further steps back. Um, and so hearing, sharing that story is really, um, sharing these types of stories is what matters. So thank you so much.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I also realize I need to talk about these things and like you talk about the the different things you're going through as well. And when we're transparent, we can help each other. When we bottle everything up, we're not helping each other and we're not helping
0: ourselves either. Exactly. Yeah. And it'll probably definitely, well, probably it definitely will not help with anxiety, stress, people around you, your job. I mean, everything else kind of crumbles, which we've, I think when our first call, we were both in that state of... <laughs> Crumble. What are we doing? (laughs) Yeah, I remember having the worst migraine. Just like I think I just totally opened up to you, and it it was me. I I appreciate you so much. Afterwards, I was like, okay, I actually feel lighter. That was really nice to share this with somebody. (laughs) Yes, and I felt the
1: same. And you know, it's it's one of those things where owning a business, being a professional, either one, like it's it's a lot because you're tying all these people into this thing and it doesn't always go smoothly, but when we're able to be honest about what that looks like, what that might look like, how it could look, and we're hopeful that makes a
0: difference. Makes all the difference for sure. Well, wrapping up here, do you have any sort of final pieces of advice or nuggets of gold that you'd like to share with our listeners? So what I would like to say is if
1: you are a professional woman or you're a, a a professional man in an under-recognized group, find other people who understand you. Like for me, I have my husband and that's amazing, but I didn't realize what a void there was in my life until I made other professional women friends who were operating on the same level that I was. And I was able to build that community So that when I, you know, when I go through a mean client call or something, I just text my group, and they just shower me with support and love and remind me who I am. And it it, business can feel extremely lonely. So try to start building that support group as soon as you possibly can.
0: Well, and ge- and given that we are more remote and work from home and don't have as many in real life opportunities to meet people, do you mind sharing how you've gone about building that support system?
1: So I actually met all of my ladies. So we're called She Has Infinite Potential and we do corporate consulting. We call each other shipmates. We met through oh, Innovation Women, which is a group for women speakers because there are so few <laughs> women speakers. It's less than 2% of all speakers are women so that's a bummer. <laughs> we're wow. trying to change that. Um but I think you know just show up in places and be willing to be surprised. I didn't think I was going to go into that group and like build out all my business besties. It just happened because we were working on a project together and I'm so thankful for that. So, you know, be open. I know that collaborations can be time sucking and they don't always make a ton of money. But if your goal in collaborating is to find your tribe, your
0: group, that's a valid effort to me. Like it's worth the time. Yes. That is amazing advice. Thank you so much. (laughs) Well, um, Kristen, this has been an absolute pleasure having you on today. I appreciate you joining me and and our listeners and being here and taking time away from your busy day. Um, What is the best way for uh, people to connect with you? So I'm
1: on every platform, but I spend most of my time on LinkedIn, which is I think how we met Natasha. Uh, so if you go to LinkedIn and type in Kristen Spencer, that's me, you'll see it's a very colorful profile picture. Um, but also you can check out the website for my business, which is literary And there's other people who understand you. Like for me, I have my husband and that's amazing, but I didn't realize what a void there was in my life until i made other professional women friends who were operating on the same level that i was and i was able to build that community so that when i you know when i go through a mean client call or something i just text my group and they just shower me with support and love and remind me who i am and it, it business can feel extremely lonely so try to start building that support group as soon as you possibly can
0: Well, and and given that we are more remote and work from home and don't have as many in real life opportunities to meet people, do you mind sharing how you've gone about building that support system? So I actually
1: met all of my ladies. So we're called "She Has Infinite Potential," and we do corporate consulting. We call each other shipmates. We met through Innovation Women, which is a group for women speakers because there are so few women speakers. It's less than two percent of all speakers are women. So that's a bummer. (laughs) We're trying to change that. Um, But I think you know, just show up in places and. Be willing to be surprised. I didn't think I was going to go into that group and like build out all my business besties. It just happened because we were working on a project together. And I'm so thankful for that. So, you know, be open. I know that collaborations can be time sucking and they don't always make a ton of money. But if your goal in collaborating is to
0: find your tribe, your group, that's a valid effort to me. Like it's worth the time. Yes, that is amazing advice. Thank you so much. (laughs) Well, um, Kristen, this has been an absolute pleasure having you on today. I appreciate you joining me and and our listeners and being here and taking time away from your busy day. Um, What is the best way for uh, people to connect with you?
1: So I'm on every platform, but I spend most of my
0: time on LinkedIn,
1: which is, I think, how we met Natasha. Uh, So if you go to LinkedIn and type in Kristen Spencer, that's me. You'll see it's a very colorful profile picture. Um, But also you can check out the website for my business, which is literarysymmetry.com. And there's all sorts of uh, fun complimentary stuff on there as well. And I also like to hang out on YouTube. So in any of those places, you will find me.
0: Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Kristen. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, listeners.